You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're thankful here to hear your word today. Open our hearts to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. If you have a Bible nearby, you'd like to read along with me. I'm going to lead us through a meditation on Genesis 21, verses 1 through 7 today. So you can read that with me in just a moment. Uh, Let me catch you up to what's going on. This is a really climactic moment in the story of Abraham and Sarah. And so here's what you need to know before we read this passage. I'll read it in just a moment. Our great God has a plan to fill the whole creation with his glory. That's how great he is. Even after human rebellion, God graciously promises to rescue people to do this, to carry his name and spread his glory to all the families of the earth and to his whole creation. So when God is ready to rescue the nations in light of his glorious plan for the sake of his whole creation, he recruits a powerless couple from a pagan context to do it. The powerless couple are first of all called Abram and Sarah, and we're told in the introduction to the Abraham story that Sarah was barren. God is gonna come to them and say, I'm gonna bless you and through you and your seed, through you and your descendants, I'm gonna bless all the families of the earth and they're utterly powerless to participate. They are physically hopeless. But not just that problem. Also, this powerless couple, he recruits them from a pagan context. Abram and Sarah are from Ur, and then they move to Haran. 75 years and about 65 years of Abram and Sarah's lives, they have grown up in a very pagan culture. The popular gods in Ur were noon gods. There's one called Nana. So if your grandchildren call you Nana, I'm sorry. We know you're not a moon goddess. But there's one called Nana, a noon god, the moon god of Ur. And also there's a god named Ningal. He had two temples and everyone had household gods. 75 years. This is what Abram grew up in from, from Ur then to Haran. And the moon gods there had different names, but that's what those people did. Uh, my grandchildren have been in town for a few days and their car seats are in our car for a few days. And my wife's car already smells like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. 75 years in a pagan culture, a powerless couple from a pagan culture, but God comes and reverses their fortunes with a cosmic promise. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your descendants, and I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you and your descendants. So there's one central tension to the whole Abraham story. And here's the tension. Where's the son? If God's going to bless me, us, and our descendants and our seed and all the families are through us and our family, our seed, where's the son? Where's the son? Where's the son? That's the central tension of the whole Abraham story. Where they ever just get one son so that God's plan and God's promise can come to fruition? Well, when we read this passage today, that son has finally come and his name is laughter. Read along with me, Genesis 21, verses 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. 
Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Amen. Our God is wonderful. I want to see three things about our God in this passage really quickly. It's a homily after all. Number one, I want you to see the faithful God that we can trust. Look with me again, or I'll read it to you. Verses one and two, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. The Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son. That's the real action in this story. A hundred-year-old man and his 90-year-old wife are having a baby through their very normal husband and wife marital union. It's not normal for a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to have a baby together, but Abraham and Sarah are doing it because God had said that this would happen. So God is faithful. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. God had made the really big, big promise to Abraham and to Abraham and Sarah about them and their seed and the nations and all the families of the earth. But then God had gotten really specific about a year prior to this. He had said, about this time next year, your own wife, Sarah, Sarai, I'm changing her name to Sarah, she will have a son. She will bear a son to you. And remember what happened? When God told Abraham that, Abraham laughed. He laughed at the power of God. He laughed at the promise of God and said, surely Ishmael can take that, the role. I mean, I've been raising for 13 years. And God said, no. But Sarah shall bear your son. Now, Sarah, uh, like a wise wife, was listening inside the tent. This is in Genesis 18, because, you know, sometimes husbands forget to tell their wives details, just sometimes. So Sarah is listening attentively in the tent. And when she hears that she will bear Abraham a son about this time next year, she laughed in her own heart, and the Lord heard it. Thus, God tells Abram, Abraham and Sarah that their son Isaac, his name will be, in fact, laughter. But look at the faithfulness of God. The Lord visited Sarah as he said. The Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived. It really happened. She had a baby at age 90. Abraham was 100 years old at the time of which God had spoken to him. Here's what we need to see from this. God's word is bigger and stronger than our, our circumstances. Even during a pandemic. Even during a liturgical season of deprivation, our God and his word, his promises are bigger and stronger than our circumstances. And his word is bigger and better and stronger than our perceptions of our circumstances. But secondly, I want you to see the gracious God who nurtures our obedience. Look at it with me in verse 3. Abraham called the name of the son who was born to him, whom Sarah, it really was his wife, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. That's exactly what God told him to name his son. He said, I'm going to give you a son, and I want you to name him Laughter. That's what Isaac means. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded him. This is wonderful. Here in this passage in Genesis 21, we're seeing Abraham be very obedient. He gives his son the name God said he should give him. And on the eighth day, he circumcised him exactly as God had said. That's wonderful. And it's great evidence of the grace of God, this obedience. 
because this is chapter 21. In chapter 20, Abraham had just protected himself by sending his own wife, Sarah, into the harem of Abimelech of Ger- in Gerar. He had just fallen flat on his face in unbelief in the chapter just before. After seeing God's power poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah, and just before the true son is finally going to show up, Abraham falls on his face. He's completely disobedient because he doesn't believe right before the story. But look at the grace of God. Isn't your life and my life just like this? How many times do we fall flat on our faces and not do what we're supposed to do. But then by the grace of God, the next thing we see is we see ourselves walking in the ways of God. This too is the grace of God. God's grace is so great, it not only wipes away our sin, but it changes stubborn rebels like us into obedient sons and daughters. This too is the grace of God, and he deserves praise. Thirdly, I want you to see the power and tender God who fills our mouths with laughter. God told them, you're going to name your son laughter because Abraham laughed when God said he would do it. And Sarah laughed, even though she laughed just in her heart. Her unbelief and cynicism were hidden, but not from God. Verse 5, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac, sounds a lot like the word laughter, was born to him. And Sarah got the joke. God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Don't you see what our sister Sarah is saying in this passage? When she has the son, where's the son? Where's the son? Where's the son? Finally, he's born. And they place her son Isaac in her her hands. And she goes, yep, we'll be calling him laughter as long as we're alive. As long as he's alive, we'll be calling our son laughter. And we'll always remember that we laughed in God's face. We'll always remember that we didn't really trust his promises. We'll always remember that we didn't always believe that God could do what he said he can do. And when we call our son Isaac our laughter, we will say the joke is on us. We will say, look and behold at the gracious power of God who takes things that are dead and makes them alive, who does the impossible because his arms are not short and no one can stay his hand. Sarah is relishing in the powerful and tenderness of God who wants her to remember what she did not believe, but wants her to focus on what God can do in his powerful but tender ways with his people. In this passage, Sarah is inviting us to laugh with her. That might be a really important way for us to respond to our own stories. Oh, yes, Lord, I went down the wrong path many times. Oh, yes, Lord, I I disobeyed frequently. Oh, yes, Lord, I I rarely trusted you the way I I ought to trust you. And yet, Lord, because of your faithfulness and because of your goodness, look at what you've done, oh, Lord, according to your promise. So our God is the one true God. He's faithful, gracious, bringing us into his joy. The drama of the whole story is really a tragicomedy. For the same God who rescues all the nations and his whole creation through a powerless couple from a pagan context, reversing their fortunes by his cosmic promise, is the very God who sent his son to reverse our fortunes. See, everyone's laughing about God's grace and power in Genesis 21, and we are laughing with them. But all of this laughter leads to the next chapter, 
where we where God's grace and power, we see God, a special beloved son and a sacrifice. Oh, God's son will writhe and groan on a rugged Roman cross to welcome us into the joy of eternal laughter. See, the long-awaited son named laughter, Isaac, will not be sacrificed. No, a ram will take Isaac's place. But the special beloved son, God's son named Yahweh saves, Jesus He will suffer. He will be sacrificed. Yes, he will cry out miserable and abandoned to welcome you and me into the eternal joy, the eternal laughter of life with God forever and ever and ever. Let's believe it together, even in prayer. Oh, Father, thank you for your great love for us. Help us believe in your power and your grace and your truth. Show us that your power is so great, we can laugh in the hard days and trust you to bring about all that you've promised. Thank you that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.